Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Autism Office Hours. Thank you for joining us today for this really incredibly important conversation on emergency and disaster planning for families living with autism. Um, this is such an important topic and is often overlooked by so many of us, um, myself included. Um, so I'm really excited about our group today and the discussion that, that we're going to have. Joining us for this wonderful discussion is a diverse group of experts that, that we've been so lucky to gather today. And um, starting, we have Lisa McNiven from the Governor's Commission on Disability, Rosalind Sintron from the Autism Programs at the CDD, and Barbara Banez from the Autism Programs at the CDD. And myself, I'm Jamie Swalby. I am also from the Autism Programs at the CDD. I am a senior program therapist and um, a special ed teacher. And I've had experience working with individuals with autism um, for about 20 years. And I'm also the parent of a young adult son who happens to have autism. So let's start off by having you all share a little bit about yourselves before we begin. Um, if you could share a little about yourselves and your experience with disaster planning, that would be wonderful. So Lisa, will you start us off? Hi everyone. My name is Lisa McNiven. I'm with the New Mexico Governor's Commission on Disability. I've been with the agency for the last 15 years. And with, in particular for emergency preparedness, I've been involved in this field about four to five years now. And in emergency preparedness, I've been working with the Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management and the Department of Health. Currently, we uh, have a New Mexico Disability Emergency Planning Advisory Council for the entire state that tied with FEMA, Office of Disability Integration Coordination Office. NMD PEC as the chair, I am involved with the Department of Health weekly AFN access and functional need COVID-19 meeting that we have once a week. And this meeting is to share resources and information statewide, in particular for those with access and functional needs that include individuals with disabilities. And I'm so excited to be here to have a discussion on this topic with families statewide. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Rosalyn. Hi, my name is Rosalyn and I'm a health educator with the CDD. Um, I've been a health educator for the past eight years. I have experience with disaster planning. Um, I was a Girl Scout for 12. And I also have personal experience with disaster growing up in an island in Puerto Rico going through major disasters and planning throughout my whole life um, when, why, and always thinking about we need to be prepared. So I'm here to discuss all the things that uh, come into mind and different topics, and I'm so excited to be a part of this conversation. Thank you so much, Rosalind. We're excited to have you too. All right, Barbara. Hi everybody, it's Barbara Ibanez. Um, like Rosalind, I'm a health educator um, with the autism program. 
Um, this is actually my 37th year in the field of disabilities. I started as a direct support professional. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is actually work with adults with ASD and, uh, and self-advocates. And uh, I have worked with Lisa uh, as a participant in her training with the emergency preparedness and disaster planning. And because of the impact that that training had on me, it really changed my life. And I am a big supporter of the training. I've got my evacuation plan here. I have one for my <laughs> husband as well. Um, and I'm, that's what I'm hoping today will happen to you all is that you will get some nuggets um, and pieces of information that will um, you'll put into place and that will make a huge difference when a disaster happens. Because uh, I've been through several disasters like Rosalind, including several tornadoes in Nebraska and have survived. So. <laughs> We're so happy. And Barb, I love how you say that and, and, um, and what an impact that was in your, in your world. And, and although we don't have a lengthy period of time here to go through the, the whole entire wonderful training that Lisa has, um, we're just going to really touch on those beginning things today. So what we have done at Autism Office Hours is reach out to the community um, to find some questions that families are bringing up around disaster and emergency planning. And the first question that we have come across is, where do I start? Um, I, I know we have, wait, I know we need a disaster plan, but I just don't know how to start and I don't want to frighten my child by talking about disasters. So anybody have thoughts on that? I think that families should consider getting an emergency evacuation workbook. Um, this evacuation workbook was designed by the Governor's Commission on Disability with the Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management. This is in a third edition. This document is available also on the Governor's Commission on Disability website. And the website is a fillable document and it's also readable for the blind and visually impaired. So the document and I have at least 1200 copies in my office today. So if you want copies of your own, I'd be happy to mail it to you. Just email me at any time, lisa.mcniven at state.nm.us. That email will reach out to me and I will be able to mail it to you if you give me your address. This document is about 40, page long and it had lots of information in here that's important for you to plan in advance with your family. So each page talks about many different topics that are essential for planning. And one of the pages in here talks about planning in advance with your child with autism in terms of what they use every day. And you can't take everything with you in, a, in an emergency. So you need to decide what's the most essential and have that product or equipment or paper or medication available with your go bag, which I will explain more about in, in a session or two after we have an additional topic of discussion. But in here, 
had lots of information in here that you want to go through, including a checklist of what to put in your go bag. So you don't want to um, scare your child, I understand. But essentially what everybody had talked about that it's important to pre-plan. So to pre-plan, you need to have a conversation to prepare your child. And that conversation involved not scaring them, but preparing them, preparing them to know what to expect. The, the more you know, the better you're prepared to be able to leave safely from your home in the event of a disaster. That's so wonderful. I like the word being prepared. And it's so important in our, in our community, um, in the autism community, being prepared. <laughs> Anybody else have have thoughts to add to what Lisa shared? I would say to have this conversation and also include to see what your child and the family members would need in an emergency, what's important to them. So what they think they should bring, because sometimes we, we decide what's the head of the household tries to decide what's essential, but maybe for you it is, for the, for the other person it's not. And when it comes to disaster preparedness, what do you need in case of an emergency for you? So I think that discussion within your household or the group of people that you have around you is very important to do the plan, not just from one perspective, but for all the perspectives that the people are going to uh, need. I appreciate that. Yes, and building on that, um, each person will need to have their own go bag um, so that everything they need specifically is in one place and it'll be with that person. If it's a fire, it's, uh, you know, a tornado or monsoon extravaganza. <laughs> or tsunami, um, anything, you know, where you have to flee quickly, it's great to have your go bag and have it ready uh, in a place where you can grab it quickly and uh, actually spend time on purpose, like schedule time to work on your go bag. Um, that's how I got mine ready to go after I went to the training a couple of times with Lisa. I'm like, you know what? I've got to get this in, into my schedule. I've got to work on this and actually spend hour a week. That's all I did, an hour a week um, to get my go bag ready and my husband's go bag. And we have them as uh, uh, backpacks so that we can quickly grab them, put them on if we need to. And because, you know, you may only have a few seconds or minutes to escape for your life. Gosh, that, that is so important. And Barb, something that I hadn't thought about. And when, when Lisa's talking about go bags, I'm thinking you need a go bag for the family. <laughs> so let's go. So really breaking that down into you need it for one for everybody. That that was an aha for me. So, so I appreciate that. Well, and, and as we talk about that go bag and, and the importance of that, and like Rosalind was saying, what is important to each individual. That brings us to where we are with our next question that we 
had the community reach out to us. Um, and it, the question is, what are the most important items to include in a disaster supply kit? It feels like my daughter changes her likes and needs so frequently that I don't know what to put in or how much to put in. I would assume you wouldn't want something that's really cumbersome um, as you're trying to kind of escape or get away. In the evacuation workbook in page 31, there's an additional section along with page 28 and 29. 28 had the list of items that you want to consider putting in your go bag. The larger, the better to put more stuff in. This is just a smaller version of what you may need. Um, in the evacuation workbook, you may need items that are in particular for your child. Yes, each family member needs their own go bag, including your pet. So you want your pet to also have their own go bag. Each member of the family have particular needs, interests, and wants that they want to put in there to make sure that they have when they take with them. And for your child with autism, they may need things that are very specific to their needs. And on page 31, have a different section and person with ability, what additional items they may want to consider. Now for a person with autism, they may need um, cancellation, headset, earmuff to reduce um, chaotic noises that they may be scared of and listening to. They may want to take that with them. And for many individuals, also you want to consider having a duct tape in your go bag because you may need this item to repair. Things like um, your go bag might be shredded to pieces or your gloves that you may need or your shoes even. So that's not an important essential item for your go bag. And that's a, 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 dust, a dust mask that you put on, able to not breathe in um, chaotic environment that is not good for your health. And you might want to have work gloves to be able to remove debris out of the way so you get through out and leave safely. And having a flashlight, even a flashlight with the radio in it will be helpful. And then battery powered and be able to find your way out at night and be able to listen to the news about the disaster. And you also want to have an important notebook and pen to write inside if you're unable to communicate with others and you'll have the information ready for them to read. Um, you also want to have um, a bowl with a spoon and, and fork to take with you because it might be essential for you to be able to get your own food at the shelter. You can use that. And then you might want to have um, IP, earpiece, because sometimes it's bright in the shelter and you want to cover your eyes and have some peace a little bit. Um, also have a poncho and a mylar blanket. Mylar blanket is essential to keep you warm if you don't have a blanket nearby. And a poncho in case it rain. Um, and then a birthday kit would be helpful to help if you have a small cut. But if you have a, um, more problems that are medically needed, call 911 or get medical care. 
and then you might want to get a thermos for water to put in and also have some small food inside. I myself added this to my own go bag, some nuts, just in case you and your child might be hungry and you can have some nuts to go with you. And then last but not least is having hand sanitizer, especially during COVID-19. You wanna take that with you to be able to um, wash your hands safely out in the environment. So on page 28, it's all about things that you wanna bring. And then page 29 and 30 is all about important documents. Then you want to copy and put on your USB or your CD or make hard copy and get it to a trusted person in your family that will hold it for you outside of the city or state. So far, or Lisa, those documents, they don't go in your emergency bag. They go somewhere else. There's some individual that will put it on their USB and may make copies of it and put it in their CD and um, um, safety deposit box at the bank, or you can give it to a trusted person to hold. But some people have put it in their go bag, um, just in case that you need it to show to a medical person or to FEMA or your insurance company. So you want the document available when you need it. So you may need it and put it in safely in your go bag. Okay. Great, thank you. Just to add on to that, I just wanted to let you know that this list that she has is very readable and doable um, as far as you know, it's like a little checklist. Yeah. And, you know, getting back to that whole thing about changing preferences, uh, that sounds like me. Uh, <laughs> so depending on the day, but one of the things to do is to just really go with this common list, you know, the common list of things that are really needed. And then the things that change, um, you know, perhaps just have another little, bag to go um, that that person, you know, that child could grab or you grab um, so that, oh, they have, you know, they need their, you know, absolute favorite game or whatever it is. And, and just grab that um, on the way out as well. But, but at least have a basic uh, to go bag ready to go for that person and then still address the changing needs. Awesome. Great idea. To add to that, I would also say to um, always have in mind what your child would need to be more comfortable in a distress situation. Uh, maybe they change what they like, but there's some things they always go to. And it is important to think about that when doing the go bags for your child to think about not the everyday, but it's gonna be a distress situation. We're not gonna be comfortable. What would be the best to put, not just your child, but you too, more comfortable in a situation? Because I know for me in 
past, um, having in my go back some things that I know will make me comfortable has made it easier to go through a disaster because I know that no matter what, I know I have that in my bag. I know I have water. I know I have something uh, for me to be comfortable. Um, the clothes that you put in, if you're going to put clothing, different types of things. Um, always think about what would make you comfortable in a distress situation and not think about it as an everyday normal day. And with COVID, we have to be extra cautious of the things that we put uh, because of the <clears throat> emergency and the pandemic. Um, Lisa was talking about the hand sanitizer. I think it's so important to always have that for you to be able to have that for yourself, for you to disinfect and stuff like that. So that's just my, my little intake of of the importance of making you sure that you're comfortable with what you put in the go back. Rosalind, I really appreciate that that reminder of comfort. Um, one of one of my things for myself is I don't like to be cold. And as Lisa is talking and saying, what if you don't have a blanket? And me not having a blanket feels <laughs> very unsettling. And so the thought of that in Rosalind's talking about being uncomfortable, I would be so uncomfortable being so cold. And, and that's a big thing, I think, that thinking about it from that comfort perspective, for sure. Um, so it, you, you got a bag. You filled it with all of these goods. You've sat with everybody and taken in everybody's needs and ideas and what they need or, or want in their bags. Um, our next question really <laughs> comes, and I think this, this is big for all of us, after you have your bag, um, then how often do you look at that bag? How often do you think about that bag? So our question, um, the last question we have received from the community is, I become so overwhelmed thinking about a disaster that I just do nothing to plan. I know my child with ASD needs structure and we need to do this. When you create a plan, how often do you need to practice it? I know we will just get into the rut of not thinking about it. And as this person is talking, I think about them running out the door with their bag, but it's from when their child was three and now they're 16. So what ideas do you have about this? There are two answers that I can share with you right now. One is research has said every six months, it's good to review your plan and your go bag to make sure that everything is current or the second answer is when things have changed. Suppose you have moved, suppose you have changed um, job, suppose your child had changed school or um, any other changes that are needed, then you would want to review your document again. Your evacuation book, book needs to be changed to reflect the current status of what's happening in your family. So every time there are changes or every six months, there's no changes. You want to have a review. Not only that, you want to have a drill. You want to have a practice drill in a band um, to say this is what's going to happen and go step by step what to expect with your child so they can know what to expect when a real disaster takes place. They already have that practice 
inside of themselves. It's already been um, ingrained in them to say that this is what will happen if there is a disaster, especially if it happened that you're separated or if you're in the same house, but it's at night, three o'clock in the morning. So what will happen? You need to practice different hours of the day, different situation. So have a review and have a drill. Practice beforehand makes you better prepared as a family. So if you get separated, you want to make sure your child knows how to reach you. Make sure that they have a way of reaching you. Um, you want to have a plan of whom you can contact, especially for the entire family. If you can't reach each other, then have a third person that you will reach out to that you can know to make sure to contact them to say, I am safe. Have you heard from my husband? Have you heard from my child? And they will answer, no, I have not. And they will be the point person to help direct you to find each other. That's awesome. And, and Lisa, do you, how often do you practice the plan? Can you repeat that question? Sure. How often do you practice the plan? So you were talking about practicing it in different, at, at different times. Oh. How, like, should that be done every six months, once a year, or should it, is it good? What do you suggest? It, myself personally, with my own family, I have a son, 11 years old, and we practice once every six months. We, we don't practice as often because nothing had changed in my family as much. We're just the homebody and, and my job is still the same, my house is still the same. So um, for me, it's once a month. But if other people have changed in their family, more is better. That's great. I would like to add that um, I know the question comes from not thinking about it. Maybe if I don't think about it, it won't happen. <laughs> and I get stressed when thinking about that because I have to think about other things that could happen. But I would say that making it a conversation that you have effortlessly and often makes it a little bit more comfortable and makes it also easier for the family to have those conversations. Also with a child with ASD, I think it's important to have the conversation because we don't know how we would react in a disaster situation. And it may surprise you if the child knows what to do, he may be the one who tells mom, we need to do this, we practice. We need to, have uh, the the things you said we were had to take. So I would say including and having it more often makes it easier. Also uh, making sure that you don't have just one plan for when you're in your house, because right now we're at home because of um, a pandemic. But when we go back to, and I hope soon, to our normal um, environments, um, what happens if I'm not home? What happens if we're traveling? What happens if we're in a different place that we're not used to? What do we do? It's just having an entire conversation about where would we meet, like Lisa was talking about. I think that's very important for me. My family would have a place of gathering 
And after a big hurricane category five, we had no cell phone, no electricity for days, no nothing. Um, I was able to get in contact with my family around day nine because I went every day to the place we said we would meet. And my father was able to get out of his house and go to that place on day nine. So when I saw him, I was like, okay, you guys are okay. Everything's fine. Um, but we had that conversation throughout all my life. If something were to happen that we were not able to communicate, where would we go? And I think it's important because if you make it into a routine, it's easier to think about it and not be so distressed or stressed by the fact that we have to plan. And it's not for the, it's not for the worst, it's for um, the things that could happen. And when you're prepared in a disaster, you feel more at ease. You have your, your go back is your, I would say your, <laughs> it eases you into knowing that you have your essentials and you're not on the wild, like I say, nothing and you don't know what's gonna happen. You are in more in control of what you can do with the things that you have. That's wonderful. That That is just so helpful, that firsthand experience and, and sharing that and how important that meeting spot was for you. Um, that's really important. Yes, absolutely. You have to have that common place. And our common place changed. We moved. So uh, <laughs> establishing a new common place and making sure that it's not too far away so that you can walk to it. Um, and, you know, because you may not have a car. And, you know, I, I, I believe this whole thing about um, that everybody has to overcome is a, about the fear. There's fear, um, you know, covering disasters and emergencies and oh my, am I gonna die? And all of that kind of stuff, it's very serious. It's life and death. And so I think it's very important to overcome that fear by like what Rosalind and Lisa have been saying, by being prepared and being confident that, hey, I've got this. And knowing that um, you do have you, the, to go, the go bags and you're ready to roll. Um, because what happened, just a quick story, um, I have some dear friends who live in Virginia and in the middle of the night, um, uh, the husband woke up and there was uh, red um, in, in the curtains, you know, the curtains were red and it was the glow of a fire. And the fire had come to the porch right underneath where they were on the second story. And there was all these propane tanks from the grill. And what happened is he's like, oh my gosh. So he grabbed whatever, you know, his go bag, and he grabbed his wife and the dog. And the moment they stepped, went, ran through that door, the house, the, you know, the propane tanks blew up. And so they just said their lives were saved by seconds. And um, they were so thankful um, to have some things with them, especially their lives, but they're, they're there standing in the cold of night in their pajamas watching their house burn to the ground. Um, and so it was so sad, but yet they had their lives and they had their essentials. So, you know, it was like, oh, that, I mean, when you have, know those kind of situations, 
it's like, oh, I got to get on this. It makes you motivated to get, you know, uh, going on it because you don't want to be, you know, life and death type of situation and you want to have the things you need and not have to replay it all, you know. So that that's really was a motivator for me. And, and hearing you all speak about, about the importance of all these things really makes me think what it might be like if you don't have these in place and if you, you have to leave and, and then the, how the disaster could be, could be so much bigger for you because you didn't have these, these things in place. And, and I think that that piece of, um, Rosalind, you're talking about, the more you talk about it, it, it becomes, you know, a natural conversation. And so it, it's back to that first question of, I don't want to frighten my child. And I think, gosh, what a wonderful thing to say that you can kind of just create, we just talked about this and it's, and it's okay, whatever. And, and I also think that our, our kiddos or individuals we live with, they pick up on our anxieties and they feed off of us as well. And so if you do talk about it in that natural way, um, in that conversational way of just preparing um, and you, you can keep yourself calm about it, then you're just really sharing that message as well. Yes, I, that's why I say not just so you're home, um, make sure that you talk about it in any place that you are. Always think about if something were to happen, where am I? Where's the exit? Where should, where would I go? Because we sometimes are in places that we are not familiar with. And I always look for the exit. And people, sometimes people tell me, you're such a pessimist. I'm like, no, I want to make sure that if you're living with someone with disabilities like I am, and I know the person has trouble running, I have to know where the exit is because I need to sit near it in case something happens because I, I want to be one of the first ones out. Um, and it's something that I grew up talking about it with my parents. Um, I think it's just living in a tropical island. You just think about that stuff um, and, and prepare yourself for that. But also when we traveled, um, make sure that you're comfortable where you are and make sure you know where the exit is. Make sure um, that if something were to happen where you are, what would you do? And it's not like to um, be scared, but to be prepared and comfortable. And you can go about doing and enjoying what you're doing if you know that if something were to happen, you can have that mindset of, okay, I, I know what I need to do. I just need to find the exit, um, find a safe place, make sure I know where I am. So those are things that if you talk about them, and like I said, it may surprise you. You may think that you're the one who's going to respond, but the child who has practice and knows everything will tell you, you left something. We need to, or you're, you're all over the place. Let's, let's go, mom. You told me that we needed to be prepared. We are prepared. So getting that conversation in, I think is the most important thing to having it be something that's always talked about and the fear will go down because we have to always try to be as prepared as we can be. Goodness. Anybody else? Any last tidbits for us? Thank you, Rosalind. That's so beautifully said. Yes, I have two more things I would like to share. Um, for family, that think it's important to know your area notification system. 
and your area notification system will be different from county to county, city to city here in New Mexico. If you don't know what your notification system is, you can contact your local emergency manager for the city of Albuquerque and or your county. There are two different emergency managers. Um, for the county of Bernalillo and Richard Clark. For the city of Albuquerque, it is Roger Ebner. You want to reach out to them and ask them what is their plan for individuals with autism. Each emergency manager have an operation, emergency operation plan. And their emergency operation plan, they have to think of the entire community. And each individual has to think of their own self and their family. Because the emergency manager can't prepare for each individual. We have to work together. But the emergency manager will have a plan in place for what shelter individuals will go to in their local community. And Albuquerque is set up in four quadrants, and each quadrant has a designated shelter in place. Now, suppose that quadrant has been affected by the disaster. That quadrant of individuals and families will need to go to this quadrant. So you want to know what your designated shelter is and your local emergency manager will tell you. And they will tell you what their notification system is. It could be where you can sign up for email notification, text notification, or a phone call notification. And whatever notification system is, make sure that it works for you, that it's accessible for you. If it's not accessible, you want to work with them to make sure that it is accessible for you. For those who are blind and visually impaired, those who are deaf and hard of hearing, most affected individuals when notifications are not accessible. So you want to work with your local emergency manager to know your notification system and your local shelter. When you know you need two items, then you're better prepared. Especially if you want to do a drill, you can call your local shelter and say, can I do a practice at your shelter in case we need to go there? Can I take my child, take a tour of the site and say, this is what it looks like. This is where everyone will congregate when they're the disaster. However, during the pandemic, right now they're doing non-congregate setting in hotels, um, individual, not congregate setting where COVID-19 will affect people. So we want to make sure we know the difference. But for yourself, make a trip to your local shelter to understand what is available at that shelter, especially at the shelter. If you need a quiet room, ask them to designate a room that's quiet so your child or your person with autism can go to and feel more settled without the chaos that's happening around them. That's so, uh, that's such great news. And, and we know that that priming and that, and that practicing is just so important for individuals with autism. It might be safe to say that would be really important for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I just thank you all for being here and sharing these wonderful insights that you've shared with us today. And what a great conversation. I feel like we could we could talk for a lot longer on, on some of these things. And they say you all shaking your heads, yes. But I want to thank all of you, each of you, for joining us today at Autism Office Hours. Um, 
um, perhaps we'll, we'll meet again and discuss more in depth. But um, I also want to thank you, the listener, for joining in today, for tuning in today with us. And as always, we invite you to check out our other webcasts that um, we have uploaded to the Autism Programs Portal. Um, you can access them there. And if you're seeking any autism-based resources and supports, you can please contact the Autism Family and Provider Resource Team at 505-272-1852. Um, if you're on social media, please visit the Center for Development and Disabilities Facebook page and be sure to like and follow us. You can receive information this way as well. Um, this is Jamie Swalby with Autism Office Hours and I'm wishing you a fantastic day and stay well everybody.